Good evening. Good afternoon. Hello, Grand Rising. This is your intrepid iPad, a.k.a. Jonesy, a.k.a. Christina Jones, coming to you with episode four of the Get in the Cypher podcast. Today's episode is entitled Two Times Dope. And I know that some of y'all out there are like, oh, dope is such an old people word. Well, I'm old, so deal with it. I don't appreciate the nods from my baby guests. But anyway. <laughs> Know it. <laughs> uh, you know, every episode is inspired by some hip hop reference. So, uh, for all of you young heads who might tune into my podcast because your mamas make you, there is a group back in the day called Three Times Dope, of which Eddie Murphy's youngest brother was a member. And they. Charlie Murphy? Nope, not Charlie. It was not Charlie. I forget which, which brother it was. Goodness. Couch references. So, uh, Three Times Dope was pretty dope. And in some ways, the way that they rap with each other, they had, I feel like they, was it them who did that video, the Pee Wee Herman? I feel like they were the ones who wrote the song, the Pee Wee Herman. Anyway. I'm dating myself. So anyway, this episode is named after that group. They were pretty dope back in the day. In some ways, they paved a little bit of a way for some of the more modern day uh, 90s R&B group, uh, uh, hip hop artists that we knew. And so today I got two guests that are equally dope. Patrick Young and Troy Glover. Say hi to the people. Wow. Yo. <laughs> thanks, Troy, at that. First of all, thanks for joining the podcast today. Why don't you tell the people a little about, about yourselves? Start with Pat. And uh, give us your give us a 30 second rundown. Uh, Who are you? Why are you here? What do you do? What's your purpose? That's a lot. I know. So real quick, um, native New Orleans from the East, Miss Shoe represent Eleanor Laura McMain Magnet Secondary College Preparatory High School. I have to put that out there. Uh, you don't have to. Yes. Um, but right now I serve uh, as the director of gun violence prevention from the mayor's office. Uh, I'm executive director and founder of Sharp Men New Orleans, what is a nonprofit that focuses on removing barriers of employment for men. And yeah, I do a lot of motivational speaking, work in the community, soon to be published author. Yeah. Just stay busy. Mm-hmm. You definitely stay busy. I know because I wait in the queue for my text to get answers. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Glover, tell the people who you are. I mean, we it's always tough to follow Pat up, but we since we started with where you're from and what school you went to, Uptown Kid, son of New Orleans, originally from the Calio, graduate of the best high school in the city, McDonough 35. There's senior, no proof for that. Can you, can you wait? Okay. You had your turn. <laughs> <laughs> McDonough 35, senior preparatory high school on Carolac. I mean, I think I, I would define and describe the work I do as I, I do work that um, enhances and fights for equity for black people, whether that's around criminal justice reform. Um, housing, healthcare, et cetera. And even in my current role as the director for a workforce organization that exclusively hires returning citizens and as a candidate for city council for District D. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on this show or not. Why not? I don't know who, I don't know who Chris is supporting. Um, <laughs> I, know, I, know, I, know you, I know you get in trouble for supporting people, Chris. So, you know, I know. You know my phone a, is going to ring. It'll be all right. I'll be strong. City council for District D. So listen, quick Shameless plug. If you're in the 718191 Gentilly, live in Lakeview, a couple blocks in the east, um, go with Glover City Council District B. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for that uh, that 30 second rundown. So, you know, one of the things about getting a cipher is it's it really connects three things, culture, community and connecting all those things together so that we can change the trajectory of where we're going. Reimagine, as someone would say, uh, what the future looks like here. And so one of the ways that we are promoting connection and culture is by literacy. Right. So every episode I ask my guests this question. What are you reading? What are you listening to? And what are you watching and why? So y'all can jump in and whatever order you want. I'll go. So I'm, I'm reading right now uh, Mark Moriel's book called The Gumbo Coalition. It's about New Orleans politics and just his experience working through New Orleans politics, being that I'm, I won't say about to be a politician, but being that I'm running for office. I think it's a good read. And I'm listening to Tupac right now as I'm going through this campaign and through this work. One of my favorite songs from Tupac is To The End Of Time and Changes. And so I just keep playing those two songs on repeat and it's giving me the motivation that I need to keep crying. And then I'm watching the show. I just finished, finished watching the show called Sex Life. It's on Netflix. <laughs> it is a very interesting you just show. For a minute. I was nah, like, it's a very interesting bad. show. You, know, you have to balance it, right? You can't you can't do Gumbo Coalition. You can't do Gumbo Coalition, Tupac, and then do some serious show to watch. <laughs> you need to throw a little balance in that. The sh- like it's a really well written, superbly acted show. And I, I won't encourage kids to watch, but anybody that's listening that's an adult should watch. It's a great show. I will say that it is a greatly written show. The acting is interesting, but it's it, on the type of acting you like. It, right. <laughs> yeah. It does present some interesting relationship problems that I think are happening for Actually, many Actually, let's edit in- that out because I don't want to get in trouble. Don't worry. I'm not watching Sex Life. I'm watching some show about the Bible, and then once I remember the name of it, I'm no, it's, it's totally. It's I think it's fine, dear. Yeah. I think it's Pat. Fine. Uh, what are you watching? What are you watching, listening, and reading, Pat? So I'll start off what I'm watching. I'm watching The Shy. Oh um, my God, that show was so good. It is, especially it's actually better now that they wrote out the adult. Ca- they pretty much made the adult characters accessories and focus on the young people. Right. Yep. And then tying in something that they did in the last episode on. Unifying the community through a campaign of uh, the community and not using police and what are some of the things that we can do and with my work, you know, it highlights some of the things that, you know, we're considering doing here. So it gives hope that even in art, they can see some of the reality. So I'm excited about that as well. Awesome. And what are you reading? So reading. You're always reading. So. Right. The Richest Man in Babylon. Okay. Awesome book. Like uh, it's a real short read, but there's some, some nuggets in there that I think really will really help benefit, you know, anybody that just needs just an extra push or extra ounce of wisdom just for the day. Okay. What you listening to, Chris? I mean, get my song in. Hold up. No, he didn't. Back he up, didn't. right? He didn't. Go ahead. What you, what you listening to? The Human Jukebox. So my theme song in this moment is uh, Mount Everest by Labyrinth. Right? Okay. But I'm always listening to Kanye all day. All day. I have the pleasure of being a WK Kellogg Community Leadership Network fellow with these two wonderful fellows. And I, I will just tell you this. Whenever you travel with Pat Young, he has the speaker and the playlist. And there will be a party in the cafeteria, yeah. on the corner, in the car, at the mall, wherever you're going. Pat bringing the tunes. So I appreciate that about you immensely. I should, I should do the soundtrack for your podcast. You should actually. 
put a note in that podcast, my podcast producer. Yes, indeed. Because actually, I was just thinking this morning about how I ask every guest what they're reading. And we should do a little thing about the folks are reading. And you can create a playlist for the, for the music that people are listening to. Yes, absolutely. These two dudes, geniuses, geniuses. I just, I woke up like this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let me stop. Let me stop. Uh-uh. <laughs> You're going to have us in here on the table in a minute. We ain't got time for that today. Today, we do not have time for that. So what am I reading? So I just finished this book that actually, I had to tough it through this book, but I learned, in retrospect, I learned a lot from it. So a woman a couple years ago named Tahari Jones, she's on her third book. She wrote a book called The American Marriage, which was a little controversial for some folks. And so she wrote a new book called The Untelling. And I, well, The American Marriage was easy for me to read. Untelling was a little bit more difficult, but what I appreciated about it is like, it really shows you like what happens when you just don't tell the truth, right? When you have things that have happened in your life that have affected you and trauma, et cetera. And you try to throw it away, push it away, not deal with it. And one day it's going to come back and you're going to have to deal with the consequences of you not wanting to deal with it. Right. That's what I just finished reading. I'm also um, about to read this other book called The Other Black Girl. So those those are the two books I'm reading. What I'm listening to, I actually started digging in the crates. So I grew up with a dad who's like a jazz musician. So he listened to everything from... Pink Floyd to, you know, Patti LaBelle. And so I'm digging in the straight ahead jazz crate. So I've been listening to Cannonball Adderley and West Montgomery. And there's an album with Cannonball Adderley and Nancy Wilson, which I love. Nancy Wilson has one of the most beautiful voices in jazz. So I've been listening to that. I have as much of a hip hop head as I am. I think I have been distancing myself from hip hop a little bit lately. Because of the mumble rappers? Well, because of the mumble rappers, but also because I realized that a lot of rap in the last 15 is like depression on record. You know what I mean? No, not all. I'm not saying all, but that. But if you listen to certain hip hop artists, us, right? It's depression on wax, Who right? Are you talking about those? so. The weekend, for example, is one long. The weekend and a rapper. Well, he's in in the hip hop field, right? The weekend is no different from Anita Baker. Maybe I'm just saying, like the Maybe. songs are the same. I guess, but and to me, when I listen to him, I don't feel. I feel sad, right? <laughs> That's how I feel. I do feel like when you, and I also I think that some hip hop artists, and I'm not saying oh, there's plenty of hip hop artists I love. Like I love Freddie Gibbs. I love Freddie Gibbs. Gary Indiana, great production. Um, don't do that. You're trying. No, I'm not. I love Freddie Gibbs. Do you want me to play it right for you? No, He's I mean, on my no, playlist I, I right now. I actually don't know who Freddie Gibbs is. Oh, Freddie Gibbs is from Gary, Indiana. He's a part of the like. The whole there's a bunch of groups like the West Side Connection and Freddie Gibbs. I'm just he, he's like a 22 year old dude from Gary, Indiana. I'm joking. He's 27. I love his art. That's that group West Side Connection. I love all of them, right? But there's something I'm just like, dude. Is this this all of this is about drug deal, drug, drug taking, not drug. You know, when I was a kid, it's about drug dealing. There's a lot, a lot of, you know, constant references to drug taking, which is you something I'm J. not. Cole? Yeah, I love J. Cole. I'm not saying all. Did I say all? Well, I said many. You away from hip hop because hip hop sucks. So. There are a lot of mumble ass rappers right now who suck. You heard me say it. I said it loud. Let's get some freighting. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's let, you know, I, that that's my feeling. I feel that there are a number of artists who are not in that category, but I, I have been shying away from. I have been not listening to hip hop as much as I normally would, right? You know, and when I am listening to it, I'm listening to stuff I've been listening to forever. Kanye. Um, except, you Stop know, with the ones I referenced, you know. You ain't got no Yeezy in the joint. You know, I always love currency. So maybe I'm really a stoner rap type, but that's that's where I'm at with it. Oh, you're um, trying to get you some. <laughs> oh, oh, that's. I'm so sick of you already. <laughs> 
Next. <laughs> and what am I watching? So I did watch Sex Life. I learned a lot about a lot of things in that show, but I did not think it was well acted. You watched Too Hot to Handle? I did not. I'm about Season to watch this, this crazy show that you Stop. watched. Why you got to qualify this crazy show that I watched? I was just, also, I've never heard of it. I'm asking if you watched it. Maybe I want to ask about it. No, I, it's another, it's an interesting reality show, right? Where like you put a bunch of people who are attracted to each other and tell them that you can't do anything. You cannot have any it's level of intimacy. It's a social experiment. It is a social experiment. And I'm going to watch it. It's in my queue because you asked me about it the other day. Um, Am I the only one watching Loki? I don't watch that. No. Oh, maybe them too. Yeah. So, and then in the, Pat made a reference to The Shy. In the latest episode of The Shy, one of my favorite movies is like a theme and a thread throughout the movie. So I just watched that last night. Love Jones. I haven't watched that movie in years. It was so dope. I'm going to steal that concept though. It was dope. It was really dope. Yeah. So that's what I'm reading, listening and watching. So you heard all of the wonderful things here. We will share the, a list with you guys of what folks are listening and watching. And I'm sure Patrick will put my playlist together for me and it'll be dope. Ha! Next work assignment for Pat. So uh, both of you work in spaces that serve folks who are returning from home and have struggled to find, you know, living wage, decent jobs. Tell us why why the work you're doing works. What What's so what's so good about your approach? I mean, you're both working in sort of trans. You're working in transit employment, you are helping folks with their image and sort of being prepared. So why does the work you do work? I think in the work that I do, it's stabilizing families. Because if we think about the criminal legal system and the fact that it removes black men from the family structure, right? Uh, my work is putting black men back into the family structure and then giving them resources that they need to thrive in that. And that's immediate employment, that's substance abuse support, mental health support, really trying my best to holistically serve um, the whole individual. And I mean, that's just super important, especially in New Orleans and in Louisiana that incarcerates the most people in the world. I mean, Pat, definitely different um, or have both have some interaction with the criminal legal system. And I think it's like two out of three black men in the New Orleans have interactions with the criminal legal system mm-hmm. and any interaction is traumatizing um, and harmful to families. So um, I think that's why my work is important and just continue to expand that out is, is a big piece of that for me. Well, I think that it's important what I do because you're going through the criminal justice system. They do everything they can to remove your identity. Uh, you become, you know, institution a number. And so when people come back, they're lost trying to find themselves esteem, who they are, they eat their identity. So when you have the opportunity to recreate, rebrand, and reestablish yourself. The possibilities are almost limitless. So uh, you can create and redesign who you are the same way we can make updates and upgrades to our technology. We can do it to ourselves. I mean, recently you had two billionaires compete on who can go to space first, right? And so if they can think beyond the sky, well, when someone is released, you should have that same optimistic attitude. So that's what I'm hoping. And I think me and Pat do a really good job at letting people know that we came from that story and that that experience but not shying away from it mm-hmm. because when we want them when they see us to see we walked that path had those shoes right but still rebranded got some support resources to create this new version of ourselves. and i think often we're taught to especially in the black community right we're taught to shy away from that don't tell people where you came from don't tell people that you got arrested don't tell people about the experiences that mm-hmm. you lived etc but people resonate with that mm-hmm. and people need to see mm-hmm. that people need to see that as their executive director of sharp as the director of the office of gun violence as their next city council person etc people need to see that so they can have something to aspire to say that can act that I can be different. 
Yeah, I know this, you know, the work I did at Brothers in Power to Teach, another I'm doing with Cypher 360, representation matters, right? There's this concept that we've been talking about for the last few years called proximate leaders, right? And folks would say that you guys are both proximate to the issues you work on. Pat, I wanted to follow up with you and ask you a question. You were talking about kind of coming, remaining optimistic, coming out with uh, um, optimism, looking to uh, rebrand and, and, and um, dream big. So you were imprisoned for 14 years. How did you do that? How did you make that how did you make that transition? How did you, how did you a keep your mind right while you were in there, and b come out selling zuzus and woo woos? <laughs> wow! So the, the first, the first thing was uh, finding out that I was uh, highly allergic to prison. Okay. Like I, the uh, the showers with other men didn't just didn't sit with me, uh-huh. right? And so, no, I mean, honestly, it was uh, there was a book since we talk about that, The Count of Monte Cristo, mm-hmm. and this guy goes and like has the worst experience anywhere. Someone's hating on him, steals his girl, puts him in prison. But while he's in there, right. He comes up with a strategy on how I can reinvent myself, right? As uh, as Edmund, Edmund Desdunes or something like this, this lord or whatever. But anyway, it just gave me, you know, an idea about who is in really control of my life. Mm-hmm. And as you said, you know, I did 14 years in prison, but there are kids who haven't lived beyond being 14 years old. Right. And so in discovering that I still have value while I'm here with this time within myself, it just pushed me further to really exert everything that I got and give myself a chance. I, I think before going to prison, I was living for other people. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make my mom happy. I wanted to make my girl happy. You know, and you get into this cage bird feeling of living in the expectations of other people. And so for me, it's been about releasing and being your whole self and what you bring to the table. So you can walk away and say, you know what? I did all I can with the time that I was here. I had while I was here. It's interesting you said that I heard some, I can't remember what I was watching yesterday, but I heard someone saying something similar about like, we spend so much time trying to externally, right? We spend so much time externally trying to please, right? Or be what's expected, especially, you know, working with black men for the last seven years. I know how, you know, I know watching how much external expectations sort of dictate your direction. So one of the things you gave me advice, you gave me Pat when my brother was imprisoned was like, keep busy, right? Read um, and do some self evaluation. And I, I think that that is really helpful advice period, but particularly when you're coming out. So thanks for sharing that. No problem. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is you guys talked about this representation piece. And one of the things, Troy, that you have recently been talking about as you make the rounds and talk about your candidacy is how important representation is for young black boys in the city to see someone who looks like you, who has locks like you, to be in city council. So what are you hearing in the streets from the from the young fellas, from the yeah, young men? I think a little, a little bit of shock one, but that representation piece is super, super important. I, I shared this story a while, like a couple of weeks ago with a few people, but I was speaking at a summer camp and they had about a hundred or so kids. And I spoke about my story, told them about the work that I do and told them that I was running for city council and explained what city council person is sitting next to the mayor in charge of this, this, et cetera. And one of the kids came up to me and they whispered and it was like, you can do that. Right. Because the, the the young person had never seen anyone that looks like me. Right. That comes from a similar background that they can sense has their shared experiences uh, that was leading in that way. Mm-hmm. They just hadn't seen it. And so I explained to them, yes, absolutely. 
I can do this, we can do this, you can do this, etc. And for me, that's part of the story. And that, that's what keeps me going. So when we see a image of a black male with locks in New Orleans, it's not just mm-hmm. a mugshot. Um, it's not on a news all the time. It's not a football player, which I play football. Um, it's also your elected official and someone who's at City Hall fighting for you um, and the issues that matter most to the communities that we exist in. And that, that just has to happen. Right. And so I'm excited to be leading that charge and bringing that to the people. Hopefully October 9th. Go vote. Thank you. And what does representation mean to you, Pat? You know, when people say representation matters, what does it mean to you? I think that, uh, you know, when you're trying to recruit someone into a university, they send a representative from the university. Mm-hmm. You go into the military, they send somebody from the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, the Pelicans are looking for a head coach. And so the person that they're looking for is someone that has shown the ability to win mm-hmm. because they want the team to win. But yet, when it's time to work with our community, we have nobody that's formally from the community. When it's time to demonstrate winning, we have people that have no ability to show mm-hmm. that they win, but they represent the community. And so we have to show the people that are from the community who are winning, who are doing those things that we expect the outcome to be. If we don't mirror the outcome, then how can we expect it to happen from somebody else, right? It's like going into a, a Chinese restaurant and expecting soul food, mm-hmm. right? And I think that sometimes we assimilate to other people's stories. So I know growing up in New Orleans, and even though I've made reference to uh, McMain, you know, part of the uh, the challenge was, well, you're going to go to a good school, right? Right. But there was a school down the street from my house, Sarah T. Reed. Mm-hmm. And so Sarah T. Reed was an excellent school as well, mm-hmm. right? But we just put it in a category to say because it was in a minority community, it wasn't good. right? And so we have to just take back our ownership. And we are good. We are excellent. And we are the best. No one else can tell us otherwise. Yeah, I think that that is something that we truly have to own, right? That we are good, that we are great. We know what our communities need. And, you know, all of us have had to grapple with philanthropy in the work that we do. And one of the things that has been coming up in the, the philanthropic landscape of the late and, you know, philanthropy goes with the wind of the tides. Um, right now, Black Lives Matter and diversity, equity, inclusion are at the forefront of folks. But we can even see in this DEI conversation that there's a certain kind of black person or a certain kind of Latino leader or Asian leader that still might rise to the top. I think that I appreciate this idea that we're not high risk because we come from from the issue, right? Like, you know, I know that um, sometimes I'm sure that this might have happened to you and you're talking to people and they're looking at you like, eh, I don't know that I can invest in you because you too close to the issue and uh, have either of you found that to be something that has you've had to grapple with as you climb this ladder in your purpose I haven't um, I think I've, just because I've been authentic about who I am and upfront of saying hey I'm formerly incarcerated like right now uh, even though I work in the mayor's office I still have an armed robbery conviction like right. that's there mm-hmm. so you know I think that you've, you own your truth and I think eventually once you start owning who you are you know I just like for instance, my example would be Cardi B. Mm-hmm. You know, Cardi B has owned that she has been a stripper since she started doing mm-hmm. what she's doing. And so in you take away the power from other people holding stuff against you once you're able to stand in your truth. Let them accept you or reject or not, you. Right. But, you know, I, I give props to Donald Trump. You know, he was like, this is who I am. You know, Edited make out. America great. 
right? No. Even though the no, entire listen, city listen, of New York City would have no, all told not, you all he's no, trash. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Stop, the, you ain't about to be invited to my events. You better stop. The most inspiring person that you can find is somebody that was like who you would never suspect. He made up in his mind, this is what I want to do. I want to run for president, right? And he made it happen. Now, whether you agree with his values or his principles or anything, stuff like that, to have that confidence, what I'm saying is to have that confidence and to have that ability in you to be determined to make it happen, man, that's still in election. I mean, I mean, it helps that he is a white man in America, right? And he's a rich white man. He's a rich white man from New York City who knows how to market things. But I get your point Thank about you, having so. confidence yeah, to man. believe that you can move forward huge. and win, right? That huge. confidence is huge. I mean, I was huge. about to say huge. But anyway, confidence <laughs> is very important. But let's be very clear. As someone said to me the other day, they were like, you know, President Obama won an election in the United States because he was a safe black man, right? He was as safe as they come, right? It's easy. It was easier to elect a safe black man than it is to elect a woman of any kind. And uh, that has a lot, you know. And so, you know, just being having the confidence. I told someone the other day, I am working on having the confidence and audacity of a mediocre white man because they do all kinds of things and have no and don't doubt any one iota that they will make it forward. So I appreciate you pointing out the most mediocre white man that we all know, (laughs) Donald J. Trump from Queens, New York. Thanks, Pat. (laughs) Y'all are what many would call servant leaders. How did your purpose find you, right? From what I know of both of you, it's not like you came came this one day like, I want to do that thing. It's like something found you and you latched on and you move forward and now you're doing excellent things. So tell me about your servant leadership, how you how it found you, really. I'll start. And since we're in the bookstore, I'll go back to books. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite books is The Alchemist. Quote from The Alchemist, when you love yourself. When you love yourself, you'll make time for yourself. Well, when you love yourself, you'll value your time. And when you value your time, you'll know what to do with it. Right. And then on top of that the universe will conspire to make it happen for you. Mm-hmm. Like So when you define you as far as what are you doing with your time? Like, like, and so for me, I found that as I made myself better, things around me automatically became better. Mm-hmm. But it all began with me. So the opposite was going into prison. It was the opposite. I was trying to make everybody else better and I would suffer. And so as I do my own improvements and making myself better, other people want that so just an example like you say your house is is breaking down Mm -hmm. and everything and so all of a sudden you start fixing your house Mm -hmm. and it's really dope people walking past your house is gonna be like man Mm -hmm. who did that how and you say i did it oh well can you do my house too who did your windows i did it oh can you do Mm -hmm. and so as they identify with improvements and the reconstruction and the development you've done with yourself they can see that possibility within them and they want that as well and so for me that's all it was about the more i do to improve me uh, and make me better i'm finding that what i'm attached to wants that same outcome that your example is one of the things you talk about a community development all the time and a lot of times one of the simplest ways to improve communities to make capital available to folks who live in low and moderate income communities who might have homes but don't have the money to fix them up because one person paints their house and the next person tries Simple. to figure out where they paint their house. Um, and this is how community works, right? If I paint my house and I can come help yep. you paint your house, the next thing you know, the block, the block is better, right? Thanks for that example. What no, about I, you, I, Troy? To that point, I think that's 
that's a shared story. And for me, it's like there's since we're doing quotes, two quotes for me is like one: the toughest battles are given to the strongest sh- soldiers. Facts, right? And so I reflect on my life and every step, whether that's been born in a Calio, that's that's a that's a check against you, born in a project, raised with a single mama, check against you, daddy got killed when I was one, check against you, um, grew up in poverty, check against you, no one ever went to college, check against you, right? It's like all these checks against me, um, and I realize like maybe God gave me this deck of cards for a reason. Mm-hmm. Right. And I saw so many people around me with that same hand who either Fold. ended up dead, yep, folded, ended up dead in jail or lost by the wayside. And I said every step of the, of the way when I got arrested when I was 17 for selling drugs, um, when I fell out of college, et cetera, community stepped in and said, nah, Troy, we're not going to let you fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel obligated to pay that back and pay that forward in everything that I do and everything that I touch and all the work that I do. There's an obligation for me to make sure that just cause, just because the deck was dealt wrong for you, you, you still have the opportunity not to fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. And that's important for me. And because of that, that's, that's, that's the work that I find in Jay-Z have a couple of quotes that I love. One is like, over here, we say you broke if everybody is broke next to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so for me, it's like as as I come up through this, I want to make sure I'm pulling people up, too. And then the last one is like you miss every shot you don't take. Right. And now I'm at the point where I'm shooting. Like right. I'm like, I'm Kobe with the shit. Right. Like I'm, I'm pulling okay. shots <laughs> because, right, because I want my people to have the audacity to take the shots. Right. Fuck if you right. miss. Right. Like, right. We're going right. to shoot this shit. We're going to shoot. Right. The more you shoot, the more likely you're going to make it. The more likely going to make it. Right. Right. And just taking the shots. And that means, and, and practically, like applying for jobs that I wasn't qualified for, mm-hmm. applying for grants that I didn't think we were supposed to get, mm-hmm. running for city council. We're going to shoot these shots. Right. 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 And then we're going to hit something. Right. right. And so <laughs> that's, that's the energy. Go ahead. So let me, Go ahead. let me add on that because mm-hmm. I teach. Thing. So when, the, when you go back to Golden State and they won their first championship, uh, and you look at the breakdown of why they won their first championship with, with Steph and people will start. It was the firepower of older shooting. Actually, they had the highest percentage of offensive rebounding. And so it's capitalizing off the misses. Mm-hmm. Boy, right? work. And so that's where I think I come into is to where, you know, if you have a high percentage of offensive rebound, you get another shot. Mm-hmm. Right. So you. you Pat, we about to go on the tour, yeah. boy. So, no, I'm saying is, what tour, I'm saying yeah. is that, that the thing about we it about is, to is go that on the tour. you have this, you know, some te- sometimes people will take a shot and they miss mm-hmm. and they give up. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but it's the person that hustles, gets. The rebound, oh, reset, Come on. and then take another shot. And so the more offensive rebounds, the higher the shooting percentage because you're capitalizing off the misses. Some second chance right? points. And so, yeah, I took some losses. I took some L's, uh, like you said, coming from a, a disadvantage. But the constant attacking the board of getting off those misses to making sure we do get a shot at the end. And listen, you need people on your team. And to your point, and okay. I know we're going, we move. Okay, we move this thing. Right? Let's go. You need people on your team that's going to do the dirty work and that's going to be willing to support you to collect the offensive rebounds. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. the offensive rebounds is the hard part, right? right? Mm-hmm. You got to get you gotta block out. You got to get in there to grab that shit. Mm-hmm. And, and when it, you don't it, have people on your team that's going to collect them to give you that second chance. Then it's right, man. Unconventional. Right. Come on, man. Come on, man. Right. 
Kyle Paul was Dennis Rodman to them teams. All of them. You know what he did? Bad boy. He collected the offensive rebound. That's it. None of them would have won. None of them, in my opinion, would have won the championships the way they did if it hadn't been for Dennis Rodman. But that's the team dynamic, right? Because Jordan was going to take the shot. Right. You knew that. He needs somebody to get the rebound, right? Right, you need to have yeah. So I mean, that's like the number one hustle. That's the number one rule for the I'm hustle. Just, right? I'm just trying to be the Sky Scotty Pippen to Pat's Michael Jordan. That's all I want. Okay, to be. that's, that's it. I'm just trying to be Scotty. That's it. Yeah, I would say something, but if Larry's listening to this podcast, he would. He's probably gonna fall out and pass out. So I'm not gonna say it. But uh, I appreciate but LeBron. In case anybody so wants to know, I'm learning that I am really more LeBron. I'm about the community. I'm about the team. I'm about the win. You're not LeBron. Don't yeah. not, don't don't. Be LeBron. I am. It's LeBron self. Yes. Yeah, well, like he's, then, he flakes and he flops. That ain't you. That's okay. He's yeah. also uh, many. Cha- he's also built a beautiful school and done a bunch of other things. Yeah, so that absolutely, is absolutely. Yeah, that is uh, he has used his uh, resources you, and his power to do amazing absolutely. and great things. And so that's why I compare myself to Mr. Okay. James. I am court, also I uh, born in Cleveland. Even though if you talked there to me goes. three years ago, nope, nope, it, nope, because I'm know. a Knicks fan. So let's the back decision. up. I mean, you and LeBron no. were the same hat. The decision. Yeah, the decision. I never was a LeBron fan. Honestly, until late, until and I'm really not a LeBron fan. I just appreciate him and respect his his hustle and his game. I respect him as a father, also. What? Tapping your feet on the ground, like I don't that, know, bro. but I was going to make this point about it. So uh, one of the things I I have been listening to also is um, Sarah Jakes Roberts. She is uh, TD Jakes' daughter. That lady's so she, cute, boy. She is also a fiery pastor, and she has a a bunch of amazing sermons. And one of the sermons I listened to recently was called Headwinds, right? And she was talking about how sometimes airplanes. We fly into headwinds and they're very they're very strong and they can be disconcerting and they can make us feel like we're not about to take off, but you've got to keep flying. Because it gets you higher. Right. Because it gets you higher. And the thing that she talked about is how sometimes when we have that deck of cards you're talking about where you're sort of dealt this poor hand, you gotta figure out how to play it, is that we get caught up in our like last miracle, right? You know what I mean? And the last miracle meaning the last great thing you did because it took so much effort and energy, et cetera, to do that great thing that nobody expected you for, for you to do. So how do you guys keep the energy to keep going to get to that next great level of the things that you want to accomplish for yourselves and your community? That's a great question. I think part of it is like acknowledging that nigga be tired as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Like legit. Right. <laughs> you could edit that, edit that out. <laughs> legit. Like right. When we reflect, and I think especially coming from the lived experience, it hits a little bit harder, right? Because every loss, we feel like greatly. And that burnout can happen, and it happens mm-hmm. so easily. I keep going because it's life's work for me. Mm-hmm. And I know I was put here to keep going and to keep fighting and so I, I keep going because I know community and people are dependent on me to keep going I mean this, the weirdest thing mm-hmm. is that there's a show called Manifest mm-hmm. right and like I feel like I was on flight 828 <laughs> <laughs> like I be hitting these callings and like I don't know it's just like at, at, you know how people say God's talk to them and all this type of stuff here whatever right that's when I go into my Kanye zone he's like well why God keep giving me these hotlines right and it's just like these ideas and these things that come up, you know, it, it'll come up and it'll be like, hey, I want you to do this. Like you hear this voice whisper in your ear, like, why don't you do this? I'm like, man, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm tired. I've, I've had enough. It's like, nah, this would be great. Right. Mm-hmm. And so and then you get a glimpse of the, of, of the future. You get a glimpse of it. 
And it's like, ah, cool. And then it becomes inspiring. Like you have to live out that that thing, you know? So again, it, I'm going back to looking at these two billionaires compete to go out of space, right? Crazy, right? But where did that originate from, right? Where did that concept come from? And so it goes back to that book, Outliers. Just some people are just, I don't know, just, we're just different. And, you know, and it becomes a purpose more than a person. So either, if even if I'm not here, that purpose, I carry on through my kids and through something that I left a legacy of pushing, you know, beyond the limits. Thanks for sharing that. I wanted to ask you guys a couple more questions before we wrap up. One, I mentioned before, we're both in the Kellogg Foundation Fellowship. And you, from that work, we're all also Kellogg grantees. From that work has become, become this new initiative, I Am New Orleans. And you, the three of us, are working on an initiative that's specific to black men and boys. And I wanted to ask you, what was the impetus of the project for y'all? Why did you feel like, particularly here in New Orleans, we needed to position some work that speaks to their voices and gives them some space? I would say a couple of things. One, when you look at every sector or every major issue in the city, whether it's around public education, criminal justice, housing, childcare, et cetera, at the center of most of those are men and boys of color. And there is no current hub in the city that's holding that work for men and boys in color in a significant way. And so that means there is a gap there. And we wanted to bring together young men and boys of color. And we're not, we're talking about black, Latinx, Vietnamese, et cetera to have the conversation about how life is showing up for them in New Orleans, because that, we don't think that conversation has been had. There are some assumptions, there are some potential ideas and solutions, but the space hasn't been created yet to have that conversation and include stakeholders that directly impact the men and boys of color um, that we serve. And so we really wanted to make that happen and then figure out how to create a hub to continue to move in, to, to continue to move the work forward for men and boys of color. I appreciate that. I have to tell you, I think in some ways in New Orleans, we might in some ways be conversated out, right? We can't, we can't, we have all these conversations about these policy issues from incarceration, from mass incarceration to affordable housing to, you know, public education. There's, we are all consistently, constantly studying something, right? What do you guys hope will be different from these conversations that you're going to be facilitating for young boys and men of color and what do you hope the outcomes will be from this work so i think that we're starting we're intentional being intentional about our outcome intentional about a solution many times you come to a table and you're trying to figure out you're doing this investigation so I'm pretty sure when people, when COVID hit, the people who were dealing with the COVID coronavirus were saying, how do we correct this issue? They mm -hmm. were intentional about finding the solution, right? That was, we have to fix this. We have to correct this. We have to change course because this is shutting down the entire world. When we come to the table, it's that same sense of urgency. Like we are intentional about correcting the course of action these young boys will face. And so I think by putting beginning with the end in mind, it helps drive the narrative. We have the opportunities, we have the resources, we have the providers. We get everybody in the room and have the conversation of, you know, before you walk away, we should have something done. And, and too many times we leave tables uh, with stuff unsettled. Mm -hmm. And we pat ourselves on the back for having the conversation. Right. Well, two more questions. One is, you know, we have a all eyes are always on New Orleans for so many things. Right. Lots of innovation and happens in New Orleans and lots of mistakes happen in New Orleans for others to learn from. What do you think? What are some of the innovative things that we're doing in, you know, criminal justice, particularly right now that you think give you uh, hope for how we're going to demonstrate how we can deal with crime, with safety, with folks returning from incarceration? 
inspiration? What are some of the innovations that you see outside of your work that excite you? It doesn't have to be just in New Orleans. It could be national. No, I mean, I think that New Orleans is old. Like when I say old, I mean that we're ancient in our thinking. And so it's time for New Orleans to have a full update, like really update and upgrade on just who we are as a city. How do we show up, you know, and how do we resonate? and uh, empower other people. I think we get too lost into the historic value of the French Quarter and the blues and the jazz and, and the food. And people get stuck in a time that no longer exists, right? And for us to thrive, we have to be inventive about every aspect of the city, right? And so I'm excited about some of the new leadership. I'm excited about uh, some of the new ideas and thinking that are forming. Even with the DA, with, Jay, uh, with Jason coming in and some of the transformative policies that he's put in place. One judge, uh, judge I'm excited about is Marcus DeLarge. Yeah, Some things he's doing in re-entry spaces. Even something like this, about a ball winning company. Um, this is new, inventive, and this is what we need for us to succeed. We have to see more innovation taking place in the city. I've been to Austin recently, and it's a whole new place. It's a whole new town. Right? It is a whole new town. And yeah. uh, One, Austin, white, white. No, and Austin but, has 86, almost every black person who's lived there. I, I listen to to the strategic design and development someone said we can recreate this place right Dell. The same way we can recreate uh, New Orleans, right? The historic value was it was a slave port. Right. Well, right? and so we're still slaving our community, right? Outside of the shackles, right? You're making all them faces, Chris. Because, you know, I'm an urban planner and a community development person. And um, while all of that is true, I also know that in lots of cities, we 86 the people of color in those places and then we do the innovations. Right. So my question becomes, while New Orleans needs to transform in many ways, a it is transforming in many ways, in some ways that are keeping black people and brown people who live here from thriving on purpose. And this is just my view and experience living in New York and living in Baltimore and living in D.C. and seeing that happen over and over and again, right, where transformation happens around you as they get rid of you, right? That's what happened in East Austin. Dell came in. That's what happened in Austin. and didn't even have a big black population. I think one of the things that I, gives me hope about New Orleans is that I see all these young black folks investing, doing new things. Hey, over here, investing in new things. You investing know what I mean? Lord help me. No, I mean, it's, uh, invest, no, 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 I'm not done with my I'm saying, but in but two, investing in new things, right? You see people like John who owns Baldwin and company coming back from Atlanta and buying up the block, right? You see the young woman who created B-Sweet Cakes, who now has a trademark and is doing wonderful business on Rampart. You see young people who are creating new businesses. You see more black businesses per capita than any other city in the United States right here in the city of New Orleans and they're thriving right that's my point right I hear you say that the city is ancient and has to change I'm saying it is changing and a lot of times we get caught up in thinking about the ways in which it's not but so so to that point all of those people now we need to collectively organize right to influence policies and laws absolutely right so we need our own pack we need our own Similar to the View Correct Commission, we need our own, you know, advisory commission around what do we want the city to become? I mean, we can really own it, but we have to do the collective impact and the collective engagement as well. Absolutely. And I also I think we can't overshadow the fact that people move here from other places and buy into the old way. Right. They become a part of the 
They got the access now. They do the same thing that was done before because they're like, oh, I can get these free tickets. Oh, I can do these things, right? So we have to hold each other accountable. True. And I'm going to end with this question. We have to hold each other accountable as, as we create policy and, and things and we move into a new millennium of New Orleans with new and, you know, younger, make way for younger leadership. Mr. Glover. Tell us again at the end what you hope, what's your hope for the city of New Orleans, especially for young leaders like you and access to creating greater things for young people to stay home, right? Instead of leave. Yeah, I'm excited to see everyone who's taking this crazy leap, one, to put yourself out there as a nonprofit leader in education and with a run for office, all those spaces that um, it takes courage to even be willing to hop out there. And so I'm hoping that as people move to the city and as people love this city, people don't forget that everything that we love about New Orleans is because of black people. And we need to be centering that and advocating for that at every level to make sure that any and everything that we do, we're asking a question who benefits from it. Right. And if we're asking that question and we're answering it in the right, right way. Then I think we're doing it right. And I'm excited to bring that to the city council. Vote October 9th. Early vote is <laughs> September 25th to October 2nd. Go with Glover. You can follow me on all social media platforms. My website is votetroglover.com. City Council District D, 71819 Ward, Gentilly. A little bit of Lake, a little bit of East. <laughs> Good plug. Um, and my last question is, for all the boys listening, when you were little, what did you want to be? Who did you want to be? I want to know. Like when you were young, did you want to, you know, I want to know. Because we, we know that a lot of times young people, we have the, the black men particularly have the three. So I'm really asking this question to find out if you all bought into the three. When I was little, I wanted to be two things. I wanted to be a football player and I wanted to be the mayor. And here we are running for city council. All right. And how about you, Pat? Uh, I just wanted to be Michael Jackson. Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he is a human jukebox. So there like, it is. No, like, like, like Mike, Mike was it. Right. right. And I, I want to say this point, too, because I used to practice like mm-hmm. I, I really had it down. Right? Mm-hmm. And what I found, though, that it's hard being somebody that you're not. Right. Absolutely. And so that's why I'm not Mike today. But I mean, it's that's why Patrick is so important. Absolutely. The reason I ask that question is because so many times young black boys, you know, my work at Brothers Empowered Teach and, and Cypher 360 has been about, you know, the three, right? Entertainment, sports, or street life, right? And so I ask that question because you guys demonstrate that, like, there's more out there. There's so many other things we can do, even when the cards might be dealt in a way that are negative or perceived negatively. Uh, no card is negative if you play it right. You can right. win a game with, a, you can run, win a game with a bum hand if you know how to hustle. To a hustle. Right? <laughs> All right. And so I will just tell you all that I wanted to be the president of the United States. That's what I wanted to be when I was a little girl. And no, I'm not running for office ever. So don't ask yet for all my listeners who've asked before. No, I'm not running ever, ever, ever. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Pat, why don't you tell the people how they can find you? Uh, You can find me at raise your bar, raise your underscore bar on Instagram and at sharp men, sharp men, Nola. Yeah. Thank you. And Troy, your uh, Instagram handle is? Go with Glover. Just search Troy Glover um, on Instagram or search future city council person for District D. And my name should pop up. Right. And go is the uh, Louisiana way. G-A-U-X. Go with Glover. All right, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, and every person in between. Thank you for joining today's podcast. This is Get in the Cypher, episode four. 
Two Times Dope featuring Troy Glover and I thought we was going to do a freestyle Patrick Young oh yeah 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 All right, let's go come on we got a freestyle let's go who going first Pat first you you the council person look no the cypher person kick it off you supposed to kick it off Chris let's go I can't rap y'all should handle that I don't even know why people ask me that. Ooh, <laughs> let's go. Let's, let's go. Okay. I'm a planner and uh, that's on my banner. So that's all I got. Bye. <laughs> Come on, Pat. Let's go. That's on you. Let's go. Let's go with 35. Let's go. You know what let's go, let's go Pat. Let's go. One <laughs> of y'all go. Pat. <laughs> You know what? Every time he lick his lips, he about to spit something. Yeah, <laughs> he about to spit something. Nah, I got one. Okay. I ain't trying to change up. I'm just trying to range up. Mm. But lately, I see that strange stuff. You know, when your change becomes dollars, that's when everybody want to holler. You see them gorillas turn koalas. They figure because you high off some trees, you can't see who eating off the leaves. People want you to break. I'm just trying to break free because you wouldn't know what life was like to be me. Where was you when the problems was bigger than BP? We say we only live once, so why wait for the first of the month for the check to clear? You buy the bar, I buy this bar. I'm not trying to be a rap superstar. I just want to make more money in Avatar. Find a way up, not just a way out. To be a king in the world, not just this king in the south. Bars. I mean, I- y'all, y'all be with the fake ones. <laughs> My team always real. Y'all be with them suspects. We be ready. <laughs> Trill. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think it's a game. We all together. Y'all go both ways. Offense, defense. You caught that? You didn't catch that? <laughs> Yeah, that was so bad. Wow. That was worse than mine. Wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. <laughs> yeah. oh All right, gentlemen. Thank you so hey, much. Bye. Love you. Love you too. <laughs>